0: explorations of the human emotion of anger in the Summa Theologiae Prima Secundae, there are several places where Thomas Aquinas is going to chart out the relationship between the emotion of anger and our human capacity, actually something essential to us, uh of rationality or reason. And there, there's really two main places, among others, where he does mention it. One of them is question 46, article 4. The other is just a little bit later in the Summa, question 48, article 3. Now, in question 46, article 4, the Blackfriars has this decent translation as angry, rational act, but the word act is not actually coming up there. The Latin simply reads, utrum ira sit cum ratione. If we wanted a more literal translation, it's pretty simple. Is anger with reason? Meaning, does anger involve reason? Is it compatible with reason or rationality? And as usual, he begins with three you know, arguments, three objections that can be made to the view that anger actually is with reason. The first one is that it seems that anger is not with reason. As an emotion, anger is in the sense appetite, in appetitu sensitivo, right? There's no discussion of imagination there as there is in some other places where it gets translated as sense appetite. And he says well, the sense appetite responds to things that it, it apprehends through the senses, right? It reacts not following the apprehension of reason but the apprehension of the sensitive parts that is our sense organs right so he says uh, it's clear then it has to do with the senses it's not a rational act so it's not involving reason in any important way and the second he says that animals feel anger clearly the case right (laughs) unless we think that animals displays of emotions are just mechanical processes and don't have anything to do with that which, which Thomas doesn't think. So he says, listen, animals other than us lack reason, but they get angry. So uh, there's no intrinsic connection between anger and reason. And then finally, the third one that he brings up is kind of interesting. He says that, listen, people get drunk all the time. And when they get drunk, that hampers the use of reason, right? This is sort of a commonplace. But Drunk people also get angry easier or more intensely. Again, something we could kind of verify with our own experience. So drinking on the one hand represses reason, but also increases anger. Clearly that means there's no real connection between the two. And then Thomas says, yeah, but Aristotle says anger is with reason. And so we've got to see whether this actually does make sense. And so he says, how can we understand this? Well, Anger is a desire for revenge, he tells us. And what does revenge involve? Inflicting punishment for the injury that has been suffered, right? We want to, whether we're right or not, we want to inflict retribution or vindication by doing something to the person that we think has harmed or injured or insulted us or those we care about. And this, as he says, is going to involve reason to some degree. Aristotle says anger Reasoning, actually, the word there is syllogon, syllogizing, as it were, that anything like this must be fought against, boils up straight away. So clearly, for Aristotle and for Thomas, anger does involve reason in some respect. And so there's two functions that he brings up here. Inference, conferre, literally bearing things together. And then what gets translated as deduction, syllogizere, syllogizing. It could be deduction in a strict sense. It could be in a loosey-goosey sense. But anger does draw inferences. It is a a semi-rational process. It uses rationality. So Thomas says there is a connection between the two. And then when he's addressing these, he says an appetitive reaction can involve reason or include reason in two ways. So one way would be the act is actually commanded by reason. And he says that's not the case with anger, but it is the case with the will, right? The voluntas, which is with reason in this respect, and that's why it's called the rational appetite. Then he says, second, the act may be motivated by reason. And this is the way in which anger involves reason. How so? Well, something happens. We notice it with our senses, but we reason about it. And the reasoning tells us, go take revenge on this person. Aristotle says anger involves reason not as commanding, but as revealing. An injury. And so then he says something else that I think is really quite interesting here that is, would be worth following up. The sense appetite is responsive to reason not immediately but through the intervention uh, said mediante of the will, the voluntas. So the will is in some respect involved in this inferential process in a way that hasn't been quite clarified at this point. What about the the other objections that we could make well animals as thomas is going to say at a number of points animals have instinct they also have imagination right magnatio which we share with them and that allows them to draw inferences that are kind of like reason so that they can engage in practical action including feeling emotions like anger so you know yes animals strictly speaking don't have reason but they have something analogous to it. So this this idea then means that anger in us really could be connected together with rationality, which we rely upon rather than the animal instincts the third one he says we read in the ethics anger listens to reason to some extent in that reason discovers an injury but it is not perfectly attentive because in exacting revenge it is not regulated by reason now we should think about that sometimes it can be like when anger is virtuous but thomas isn't concerned with that here he says there anger therefore and this is very interesting both requires and impedes rational activity, right? Ad irum ergo requiritur aliquis actus rationis, right? Some sort of act of reason is needed at aditur impedimentum rationis. And it also brings or contributes some impediment to reason. So those who are drunk when they have lost all rational capacity, Aristotle says they don't get angry. They can't infer anything, right? They're so drunk that they can't reason at all, but when they're slightly drunk he says they're angered because they're capable of reasoning even if it's imperfectly now this impeding is going to be an important idea which is now going to come up in question 48 right in article 3 which again does anger notably interfere with the ability to reason? Utram ira maxime impediat rationis usum. Impediat interfere with, impede. Same thing, right? So it's the same matter, the same function that's being referenced here. And the ability to reason is usus rationis. So the literally the use the putting into effect of reason. Does anger interfere with this? And he begins with, again, three arguments saying, nah, it doesn't interfere with reason. The first one is that what is done reasonably, clearly not a hindrance to reason, but anger is responsive to reason, or is with reason. Again, cum ratione. So, therefore, anger doesn't hinder the use of reason. It actually involves the use of reason. How could it possibly interfere with it? Uh, The second one is very interesting. The angry person is open and straightforward they're not hiding anything from you and so in a certain way that seems more like the use of reason doesn't it he says an angry man is not devious but quite open so anger does not interfere with the operation of reason as does sense desire concupiscence right concupiscentia which is insidious insidiosa is is the latin and then the third one this is really quite an interesting argument because rational judgment stands out more sharply by contrast to its contrary what does he mean there so rational judgment judgment that is being exercised by reason when you look at non-rational judgments judgments made on other bases there's a stark contrast between them and so this helps you see what the rational is better and he says anger is heightened or grown literally cresket in the same way right you put things side by side you draw a stark contrast he's got an example here men are more angered by treatment which clashes with their present condition as honorable men when they're they are insulted so they're feeling you know their honor and then it's insulted now there's a big contrast or a contradiction they become more angry when that happens and he's taking this from Aristotle. So he says the same sort of thing, ex aodem, you know, from the same sort of thing. Anger is intensified or grown, and the rational judgment is also aided, you could say, ad yuvatur. So clearly, again, anger is not an impediment. It's not interfering with rational judgment. Now, the I respond that, the responsio, Thomas is giving his own position here. He actually talks about the mind-body connection, or at least touches upon it. And he tells us that mind or reason, mens vel Ratio, does not use a physical organ in its own proper operation, but that doesn't mean that it's not affected by the body, Right it does require certain sense powers whose functioning is interfered with by a physical disturbance. What would the physical disturbance in the case of anger be? Well, Aristotle had called anger a boiling of blood around the heart. Thomas, you know, is willing to say it's not just the heart, it's the other organs as well. Anger produces physiological reactions, which then do interfere with our reasoning processes, even though reason is not just reduced Say to what's going on in our brain. So, if that's the case, then he says it, it clearly manifests to your impedes, impedit, rational judgment. So is this the same thing as the use of reason? Rational judgment is a particular or you you could say a very common use of our rational faculties. And so anger would, because of how it works, screw with it a bit. And then, you know, the responses to his initial arguments are actually quite lengthy here. He says, reason is operative in the origin of anger, right? The of anger with respect to its formal element, a appetitive reaction, right? A motum appetivum. So reason is involved in the cause of how anger works. And then he says, anger itself interferes with perfect reasoning by not completely obeying reason's Demands, reasons, injunctions—it's—it's it's judgments, right? So this is perfectly along the lines of what we were talking before. Anger, you know, Aristotle says is like a hasty servant. It listens to a part of what's being said, then rushes off. It sees that there's injury or insult, and then it immediately infers to I should do something about this, and that is impeding rational judgment. So he says this is due to the agitation of body heat. Once again, we go to this physical discussion, this physical interpretation the material element in anger which impels one to react swiftly. I mean, could we reconstruct this along lines that don't involve boiling of blood around the heart? Probably so. We could talk about what goes on in the brain and what else is happening in the body, right? And we could talk about, like, you know, hormones, adrenaline, you know, cortisol, things like that. The second one is responding to this issue that the angry person is open, straightforward, above the board. They're not hiding anything. So the idea is this wouldn't interfere with reasoning because reason is also, you know, something that we're conscious of. And he says an angry person is said to betray their intentions because they behave in a straightforward manner and they do not try to conceal them, not in the sense that they understand clearly what they ought to be doing, right? Sibi quid facere debiat, right? So the debere is what they should do. And then the Sibi, you know, they're lacking a kind of sense about what they ought to do. And oftentimes I think they should do other things like yell at people, break things, attack. And this is not what they actually should be doing. So it is interfering with reason to some extent. And then he's got this interesting discussion or an analogy to magnanimity, right? Being open, being sort of above things, literally having a great soul. And he says that, you know, this is also an example of the expansion of the heart. So again, a physical explanation. And he says that this doesn't prevent anger from interfering with, with rationality, the fact that it's open. You're just clear about how your reasoning process is screwed up. Um what about the third one this this idea of like making things clearer by using contrasts so here Thomas is going to point some stuff out and he really seems to be more or less conceding the argument that's being made he says an angry reaction is set off by reason so reasoning is part of the reaction and in this respect the comparison of contraries both aids rational judgment and increases anger So, so far, so good, right? So, when here's the example he uses. When a person enjoys wealth and the respect of others and then suffers the loss of some sort, the loss seems to be greater, both because of the contrast and because it had not been anticipated, greater sadness or disturbance or pain, tristitia, results, which then leads to greater anger. Here, he doesn't seem to be saying that... Anger is interfering with the reasoning process, so this response isn't really going against the argument that was originally made, but Thomas has plenty of ways already in which anger is clearly interfering with our reasoning capacities, our use of reason, our judgments. Notice that for Thomas, a lot of this does depend on the physical causality, we might say, the mind-body interaction, which he mentions at several points. So these are two important articles in which Thomas is showing to us how anger and rationality, something that is essential to us as human beings, how these actually come together, but also how anger can interfere with the full use of that very rationality. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible.